This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at discounttire.com. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. You're listening to the West Amway podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Amway podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and XWHU employee. Moisey has done it again and this time made a massive statement of intent by beating Liverpool at the London Stadium. A 3-2 win that saw us leapfrog the Scousers into third place. What a time to be alive. We'll be talking about that game, our incredible group of players, the expectation moving forward, qualifying for Europe and of course the incident on the plane that has caused quite a stir. X will be giving us exclusive news before we end the show with questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. That's all coming up on tonight's show. X, have you ever felt this excited to be a West Ham fan? No, I don't think so, mate. It's absolutely amazing. Um, I can't put into words how great it feels at the moment. You know, I was at the game yesterday, the atmosphere, the buzz going into the game, actually feeling like we're going to beat Liverpool. I don't know if you noticed on our predictions uh, for the Patreon, I put 3-2. Annoyingly, I didn't put it on our our (laughs) predictions league. Oh, thank God for that. Yeah, exactly. But on that, I did. Um, And uh, yeah, absolutely buzzing going into it. And um, yeah, it was just it was just such a great day, and and it just feels so 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 good to be a West Ham fan. I came home and my kids, well, my girls were still up, and I said to them, "You can do something that Daddy's never been able to do when he was a kid, and you can go into school and you can find your Liverpool friends and your Arsenal friends and your yeah. Tottenham friends and your Manchester United friends, and you can go up to them and you can go, where are you in the league? We're third, like that, and you can take the Mickey out of them.' And I said, enjoy." it because I went to school for many many a year and had the piss taken out of me so yeah. make sure you you savor every moment and it's just <laughs> everything just feels feels so good and I am so so proud to be a West Ham fan because you know you look yes Man City and Chelsea are above us in the league but they've they've had billions of 
pounds spent on them. You know, half their fan base are complete glory supporters that only joined when they got money. You know, Mm. West Ham, we've been through the hard times, so we deserve the good times. And I think if you're a fan now, like to Leicester a couple of years ago you look at West Ham and, and you think wow that's a club that we need to aspire to be right now and I never thought I would say that so it's happy happy times you're right about the kids I mean it's the same with my two girls they're having a field day at the moment because they, mm. there are a lot of Tottenham and Liverpool in their school and um there's nothing they can say and you're absolutely right I think a lot of people can relate to what you're saying there because when we were kids we literally just got hammered all the time. And it well, was, we were in the uh, championship. Just constantly fighting a corner all the time. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, exactly. And when I went to school, mate, like I went to school in North East London, as, as did you. And you'd think there'd be a fair few West Ham fans there. Yeah. But there wasn't. No. I, I seem to remember from my from my year, I was probably in a school where there was about maybe five form entries. So like 100 and... For fifty kids, roughly in the year, um, and I and I remember in my year group there was about three West Ham fans. I think three or four West Ham fans. Majority were either Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United. So it's yeah, this is great to be at the top. Yeah, and and it just highlights how special this achievement is when you look at the other clubs around us. And you alluded to it yourself. You look at the amount of money Man City have spent, the squad they've got, Chelsea have spent, the squad they've got, Liverpool squad they've got, Man United squad they've got. And then you've got the underdogs, West Ham, who, who haven't spent big. They've recruited very wisely and through sheer hard work and commitment and dedication to that badge on their chest, led by an incredible manager, we're up there with them. And oh, it, definitely. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable watching West Ham these days, isn't it? Oh, it's so good. And I think the thing as well is that everything about the club is so likeable in terms of the players and the backroom staff because, you yeah. know, you look at Liverpool yesterday and you've got Salah throwing himself on the floor all the time. You've got Henderson moaning at the referee. You've got um, you know, Alexander Arnold, Alex, Alexander Arnold strutting around thinking he owns the joint. And yeah. I just think of these people, I think, I don't like any of you. You look at Manchester United and all the egos and arrogance that goes on there and, 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 you just think to yourself, well, you look at from West Ham's um, starting, you know, from the keeper right up to Antonio, every single one of those players, you think, oh, they're a good bloke, you know, look at them playing for the bands. The, the post-match interview is always great. The, the relationship they have with each other is always great. And I just think to myself, like, it's just so good to be, to, to, to have them representing us right now. And I love it. Mm. And what a day it was yesterday. I mean, just incredible. Tell me what you were thinking three minutes into the game when we go 1-0 up. Um, well, I was just buzzing that we scored, obviously. And I was thinking to myself, this is this is brilliant. This is exactly where um, we need to be getting that, um, getting that early goal. But I did think to myself, you know... There's a long way to go against Liverpool to hold it, to hold it at this. So I mm. did expect there to be more goals. Um, and thankfully, you know we we got more than they did. Um, but that <laughs> it, it did it did make me think it's a good settler of the nerves. That you know getting a goal early on. Also, the fact that the keeper was. Um, a fault for it would have put put nerves into him as well. You know yeah. he should he should have done better for him, probably for all of the goals really. But um, for now's one definitely. And I think um, I think it's just uh, yeah it unsettled him. The the players Liverpool players started to get um, their backs up and stuff. Klopp 
up. And I just think it was a great time to score, you know, and it was nerve wracking those last kind of 10 minutes or so after Rigi scored. But um, yeah, it's just such a good atmosphere. I mean, I filmed it on my phone at one point. It, mm. it was absolutely buzzing, you know, and there is a question coming up on this later. So I don't want to dwell on it too much, but this season, you know, the, you know, people talked about the fans being the problem. And I must admit, deep down, part of me thought, oh, are we? You know, because mm-hmm. you do think, you do think, how is this happening now that the fans aren't here? But actually, I'm glad that we proved that it isn't that. And mm-hmm. the, the fans were, were buzzing yesterday. The atmosphere was just so good. And, you know, I love Upton Park. Don't get me wrong, and I miss it immensely. And I, given the choice, I would still go back to Upton Park. I'm not going to change that opinion. However, the atmosphere yesterday was on par with nights that I've um, that I've experienced at, um, at Upton Park. You know, it, yeah. it would have been up there. And there's been other games where I could have said that as well. And, um, yeah, just I'm just loving life at the moment, mate. And what a time to be alive. You know, we're doing our podcast and our West Ham patron and stuff more regularly now. We're going to more games together. And it seems like the perfect time. And you know what, mate? The last time I went to as many games collectively home and away as I am doing this year was in the season when we finished fifth and had an amazing year there. So I don't know how, despite all the years of torment in between, I seem to have timed these two seasons pretty well. Um, so I only missed two games in the 1998 season, and I think I've only missed one this season. So so we're we're on track to, to, to be having great times all around. Yeah. Oh, it, mate, it's, it's such a feel-good factor. It's just off the Richter scale, actually. And this is what I mean. I've never felt this way. I've never felt this, this positive as a West Ham fan. And it is just incredible. And it is great when you've got little kids and they're experiencing that, like we've just said. And some of the the, the kind of um, videos and pictures you see on social media, everyone's smiling and enjoying it. And it's interesting you saying that about the stadium because look, I'm not looking to pat myself on the back, but for as long as I can remember, I've said that it's, it's, it's okay, the stadium. It's actually a really nice stadium. You can argue it's not a football stadium, but it's a stadium where we play football in. And actually, when you look around Europe, some of the distances from the, the grass to the pitch are two, three, four times that distance. You know, I, I think at the time, you know, it was difficult leaving Upton Park and you can say that there were false promises and, and they didn't manage the expectations. And that's absolutely true. And the transition in, into that stadium was an absolute nightmare with the away fan segregation, et cetera, et cetera. But it also happened at a time when West Ham were shit and they were dark times on the pitch. So moaning about the stadium went hand in hand. And I also always said that, you know, you can't love a stadium that has no history. So it's down to us now to create our own history. And that is what we're doing, especially over these last two seasons. And I I personally, I for one, I think we can make that a fortress. I've seen that stadium electric and I've seen people buzzing. I've, I've been part of singing bubbles in the casino after beating Tottenham in the, you know, leaving that stadium. And I, I think we can make that our home 100%. Some of the older generation, understandably, they'll never take to it. But when you look at the up and coming generation that will only experience, please God, good times in that place. I, I, I think, yeah, I'm more than comfortable that we can make that a fortress 100% for me. Um, I mean, going back to the game, how, how do you summarise that performance then? Because it was a difficult first half, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I think it was just a classic um, performance where you a good what a good team can do. You know, even when the other team is playing well, you're able to soak it up and then get the chances and take your chances. You know, if we if we hadn't been clinical and we hadn't defended as well, we could have got battered in that game. But the thing is, we played well and every player played with their heart and their sleeve. There wasn't any player there that you thought, oh, come on, put a bit more effort in. I mean, I'm, I must admit, I was surprised that totally got voted the man of the match at the stadium because whilst he was putting in the effort in I would have said it was probably one of his least effective games yeah I agree spent, with that especially yeah. compared to some of the other effectiveness of some of the other players but you know, I'm not going to stand here and criticise him because he was part of that 11 that just put that effort, sorry, more than that, the subs, Dawson, most notably, that came on and put the effort and the commitment in. But it was just, it, I just feel like there's such a confidence and such a spirit amongst that team and I I've, you know I don't want to harp on about it because I say it almost every week but I always stress the importance of psychological things in football and momentum and feel feel good spirit and the and the camaraderie between the teammates and the willing to go into battle for each other and I feel like we've got that to an absolute <coughs> sorry it came away. I'm almost choking myself. Um, absolute like point of of perfection. Almost like the players just seem to want to fight and die for each other, and and that is so important that they can get the backs against the wall. You know, when um when we when Liverpool equalised, it had been very very easy for us to have lost our heads and then got because you know Salah. Although I don't think it's been talked about, I'm sure because I was at the game. And I haven't seen a replay, but I'm sure he died for that free kick from memory. Um, mm. and you know nothing's been said about that. But they, they could have lost their heads a little bit with that, you know, and then Origi's goal was a good finish. Ten minutes to go, the nerves could have set in. But no, they've got that much stronger mentality now. And I think so much has got to be credited to, uh, obviously, Moyes and the backroom staff because they've recruited so well. But they've also brought in the right people ment- mentally-wise. And they've also created that atmosphere as well as making us, every time we get a set piece, mate, like... <coughs> You know, we are so um, so um, dangerous from set pieces. You know, we scored the first goal was from a corner. The third goal was from a corner. You know, like we, we seem to be getting chances. We hit the crossbar as well. You know, seems to be getting chances every single game for our set plays. And it's... It's just really, really, really pleasing to see that every every aspect of how a team like West Ham, which is like the size and the budget that we've got, every aspect that you can make a winnable factor within a budget we're doing. So our players, fitness-wise, you know, our fitness levels are all right up there. They don't stop running. And that's the first thing Moyes did when he came in. And you look at the European games and the cup games and stuff, the fact we're playing all these games, rotating so well, and the fitness does doesn't seem to be dropping in any game. Um, Mm. Then you look at the mental aspects of the players, you know, the creating the, the atmosphere, the team spirit for players to be able to come in, like Dawson. I mean, Dawson won't get the praise he deserves, but he came on after about 15 minutes, whatever it was, and did brilliantly again. And the fact that he could just come in and settle down into that back line so smoothly is, is so underrated. So the fact you've got that, you know, you've got set pieces, you know, doesn't matter how good the players are, you know, at Premier League level, a player in the box and a player can make a run and head it you know you don't have to be world class to do that and we're taking advantage completely of set plays by by scoring so many of them and I think all 
all those things that a club with West Ham's budget and stature can do, we are doing so, so well. And then, and, it, and it's just a massive credit to, to the, the staff there. I mean, you know, you've got to look at Moyes and the others, you know, Nolan and Nevin and all the others, just with so much praise. I mean, I just, I can't believe that this is a team that before Moyes came in was batting relegation. And now we're mm. literally third in the league and looking out of all the teams like because Chelsea drew with Burnley and yes Man City beat Man United but that's not much of an achievement they lost at home to Palace the week before so you know out of all those teams we're looking like the strongest at the moment dare I say it it's incredible and just the the togetherness of absolutely everyone the players the manager um, the backroom staff and you know people like Nobes and Deck they always say it as well even the kit man and the people in the canteen, the whole club. You know, when you speak to any ex-player of a certain generation, they'll always say that when I met John Lyle, for example, um, with a view of signing for West Ham, it just had this family feel about it. And that's what drew me to West Ham, um, mm. was that that kind of family feeling that you went in and and the gaffer would make a point of speaking to the cleaner or or the chef or the kit man or the physio and have a cup of tea with these people. And, and that is what really kind of made West Ham that family club, which, which carried on for years. And I think we lost that in, in later years, but I think we very much got that back now. And I think that's a core of, of everything that we're doing well. And it is just every aspect of the football club. I mean, even the ball now is, you know, you don't hear from them anymore. Not, not those cringy, embarrassing, I mean, David Gold comes up with the odd thing on Twitter, but, you know, to, for them to go into the background now and just really support their manager and, and not be at the forefront of everyone throwing eggs at them all the time now, you know, it's just collectively, it's hard to pick out anything wrong with this football club at the moment. Well, what I think you said there, which is really important, is the various roles within the club beyond even just like you, like you said, beyond just the obvious backroom staff. I mean, I'm lucky enough, I won't name them for their own, you know, their own, uh, what's the word, professional credibility, but I know quite a few of the backroom staff that have roles in the club that aren't your most um, prominent roles and stuff, but some of them, you know, they tell me that Moyes all their names, comes and talks to them every day, makes them feel part of the team. And, you know, so their contribution is huge. You know, you think, you know, the dietitian, they've got to get things right. The, the, tactically, the tactical analysis people, you know, who have got data analysts that have to come up with all the opposition stats and their weaknesses and all that stuff, they're, they're massively important now. The groundsman's massively important, both at the training ground and at the stadium to, you know, to protect injuries and stuff. The physio you know every every element of the club is important and I think sometimes and I find this with all organizations if X is to deliver these management philosophies that I seem to think I have one of them would definitely be that you treat all all employees regardless of pay or stature within the organization as equal because even if their role may seem not as important as someone else is collectively they've got the job because they're helping the common cause so if you can make everyone feeling on board with the with the same thing and, and doing their job to the maximum of their capabilities um then it's only going to have a positive impact and i think the fact that Moyes goes to under 23s games he goes to academy games he goes and 
greets all the staff. He seems to know all the people there. It's like, you know, it's old school when you look at the sort of managers gone by, but it's exactly what is needed, I think, in a club like West Ham. And mm. I think it's just... It's just so good right now to be able to sit here. We dreamed of it. You know, in the in the dark days of when we first started this podcast, we used to say to each other every week, didn't we? Mm, God, we, we sound like a bunch of moaners. Oh, I wish we had something positive to talk about. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to be positive? And we've got it now. And so we yeah. just need to absolutely savour it. And like you also said, the fact that the West Ham fan base seems to be united now. We don't have all this... <clears throat> starting on each other. Of course, you're going to get jealous trolls that start on people and you're going to get people here and there. But on the whole, the fan base collectively seems to be united behind just loving West Ham and say how massive West Ham is. And mm. it just feels so good. And I just hope, I just really hope, because football is fickle, I just hope if things do go for a little bit of a rocky patch, we can still stick together, still get behind the team, still love what's happening and not do the complete sensationalisms where it's like, ah, we need to get rid of this person. When I saw people talking about dropping um, for nails at the, um, this week for Lanzini, that was a couple of the big accounts got behind that, that, that um, theory. You know, thank God they're not the manager because for nails was arguably man of the match. Um, so you, you just got to respect. Moyes knows what he's doing, and we are on onto something extremely good right now. Oh, we really are. I mean, going back to the game, one thing that I was pleased about as well was that the referee showed some ball. Yeah, because you know when when you look at these so-called big teams, they get so many decisions in their favour because there is a hidden agenda behind everything. You know, oh, yeah, I always think like the cup draws, for example. Mm. Uh, how these teams always seem to get an easy run into the final is it's because Carabao, for example. It's not fashionable to see West Ham and Burnley in the cup final. Mm. They want Man City and Man United, for example. And, mm. and even the Premier League with Sky, you know, they want to be able to broadcast a Premier League that is run by the so-called biggest clubs in the world. So West Ham ain't fashionable. And I think for that reason, and other clubs like us, we've often had decisions go against us. And I, yes. I, I, I panicked with um, our first goal. Because when it went to VAR, even though I saw absolutely nothing wrong with it, I thought, fuck me, here we go. Yeah, keepers always get a lot of protection as well. They do too much protection, in my opinion. Thankfully, that got overruled and and the goal stood. And Mm. then I shipped myself with a Creswell tackle because, in my opinion, that was a superb tackle. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But even Carragher, who liked to tackle himself, the first thing he said was, uh, I think he's in trouble here. Yeah, but Um, what shirt did he wear for the whole of his career? I I don't think he was saying, he he wasn't saying that he should have got sent off. I think he did though, because I heard him after the game say that he should have been sent off. Oh, did did he? Did he say that? Yeah, I heard it afterwards. Oh, okay. So live, it didn't come across like that. So I'm disappointed that he would say that. I mean, again, he was a Liverpool player, like you say, so maybe it's not so much of a surprise. But, mm. um, you know, what my point is, even though for me that was a perfectly good tackle, I've seen snowflake referees give reds for that. Yeah. You know? Especially um, when it's and, I, and I panicked at that point, but but it was good to see the referee show some bottle and go against the grain is my point, you know? Definitely. I think, and I think you're right. Definitely. I, I I think he got everything from what I can remember other than the Salah dive, which I'd like to see again. I think he got everything right. The, what what I'm also going to relate back to what I said about West Ham being so good to support at the moment is look at Klopp's interview after the 
the game yeah. is a dis- it's a disgrace. Yeah, you know? it is. The it fact is. the fact that he turns around and he says, "Oh, West Ham have been great this season, but they were like the West Ham of old." Firstly, what does that mean? You know, and second of what, what how old are we talking? Like, you know, mm. what 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 have we done different today? And I think he was alluding to the fact that we inverted commas part the bus. We scored three goals. So yeah. thank fuck, <laughs> so thank fuck we did part the bus. Otherwise, we would have scored six or seven. You know? I know. But it's an absolutely ludicrous thing to say. And he was just moaning, 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 moaning. And this is again what I allude to. He doesn't come across well in interviews. I think I look at him. I think I'll oh, shut up, you prick. You know what are you mm. talking about? Whereas um, this is where you look at Moyes. Moyes yeah. calls it honestly, and yeah. he'll say when things have been bad by the ref, but he'll also say when the team's not played well either. And yeah. I think I think the whole professionalism stems from that. And I just yeah, I just love it. And, and like you said, with the ref did do did do well yesterday. And I'm gonna say something which I've is a bit quite a big turnaround for me in some ways, but I actually think VAR, and I'm probably gonna I'm swearing quite a lot about I'm trying not to now. I'm going to be a good boy. I got told off at the weekend again by my <laughs> parents for swearing too much on this podcast. So, right, so I'm going to try not to. But, um, but the, I actually think VAR on the whole has been better this year. Better this year. Like, I don't remember getting as annoyed of it this season as I have last season. And maybe it's because West Ham are winning. And the fact we're winning overseas my disappointment in it like as, as if you know if we'd lost a game I would notice it more but I don't remember hearing as many con- controversies over VAR this season as I did last season certainly and I'm hoping maybe long term now they're actually starting to get to grips with this technology because if they do it will make a big difference to teams like West Ham for the reasons like you said, that when you play Liverpool, Manchester United, there's that natural bias of the ref because they're the bigger team, because they've got you know more media attention and more fans and so on to give the decision in their favour. Whereas if you've got VAR, that should stop that happening now. So if they can get VAR done correctly... Then, then the teams like West Ham will benefit more so than mm. the bigger teams. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a really good point. I mean, I've always hated the technology because I think it's killed the euphoria of scoring goals. Yeah, it did. About, it did the first goal. It, it, it did. Yeah, and and even when um, uh, do you know, and it wasn't even an incident. But even when Zuma scored the third, yeah. there was hesitation for me. I didn't even see anything wrong with it, and there wasn't no. anything wrong with it. But you're always waiting. You don't want to get too carried away in case it gets pulled back. And and, and I don't like what VAR has done to football. I think you make a very good point how the technology could actually help West Ham. But in terms of the impact it's had on the sport, I don't like it. And I don't think I ever will. Um, no. But I, I do also think you make a good point in that respect. But mm. I mean, look, Liverpool were dominant in the first half, but they're going to be the majority of the time because they are one of the best teams in the world. They are a quality side, but so are West Ham. And with some tactical adjustments at half time, mainly to do with full nails, according to the gaffer, it was a much better second half, wasn't it? And I just think mm. tactically, he's, he's got it right. And going back to Moyes, I think it's really important what you said there about the the, the kind of pre and post match interviews because one thing I've noticed about him is what a calming influence he is yes, on every, yeah. even as mm. fans as a fan watching him talk mm. he calms me right down sometimes mm. and and he's mm. consistent with his interviews if he's lost a game it'll be the same as when he's won a game he doesn't get carried away he doesn't get overly animated he he just restores calm. Um, and 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 if 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 we've had a fantastic result and we're flying, he brings them back down to earth and he humbles them. And if we've lost, 
I think he'll, like you say, he'll be brutally honest with why we've lost. But he kind of, the way he comes across is that he's basically telling everyone, don't panic. You know, this is football and it happens. And I love that. And I think you can actually relate what you've just said there to his um, philosophy with transfers as well. You know, there's a whole mm-hmm. thing with modern football. I don't know if it's more so with West Ham or not because of the behaviour of, like, of, of certain accounts when it comes to transfers. But I, I, I am... Um, see just complete meltdowns over transfers with West Ham. If we haven't signed a player within the first, you know, week of the deadline, um, the the window being open, people seem to be having an absolute meltdown. But what Moyes has done, you know, he's been called Divering Dave and, you know, all sorts and stuff. But what he's done is he's only recruited the player that he wanted to sign that was right, not just as a player, but as off-the-pitch personality and look how well he has done that with Zuma I think Zuma is a sensational signing I said it at the time and the same as I said about Lingard you know I thought both of those were, were brilliant signings because of their abilities as as players I wasn't too sure on what their characters were like because obviously I don't know them I knew a bit more about Zuma because I've got contacts within Chelsea more so than I have Manchester United and I had actually heard in fairness that Zuma is a really good bloke but you look at him now like he's level of performance since he's been at West Ham has been sensational he is an amazing character I like you look at the Aston Villa game you know Declan was singing along in some French rap songs I assume it was um, and, and getting on with him then the interview yesterday with Fornells and stuff all the players seem to love him um, you see the training videos he's always in the centre of every everything there and I just think what a signing that guy is you know 26 French international been there done that in the game such a good character and then you, you look you apply that to every other signing that he's made as well um, and he's just got it so spot on all those times, you know, West Ham fans went had a meltdown when we didn't sign Milenkovic of, of Fiorentina. And yes, mm. he's a, a player that a, most of them probably haven't even seen play. Well, exactly, that's right. And yes, he's probably a good player. And obviously, he hasn't joined West Ham, so we can't judge how well he would have done. But I don't actually think you could have done better than Zima's done. So, so we can judge it. And and I think I think we just got to just let like relax a little bit like you said and let Moyes deal with it in January if we haven't signed someone by you know the, the near the deadline just just let it be if we don't sign a striker yes we're all desperate for us to sign a striker because we know that Antonio is a worry but <clears throat> at the end of the day it's, we've got to we've got to we've got to trust Moyes you know people were calling and calling and calling for Odebeku you know get him in we've got a forward that's banging goals in he should be playing he should be on the bench he should be getting more chance Chances. He's not even getting on Huddersfield subs bench the last two two months or something. You know, you've got to you've got to just trust Moyes' judgment on this. Yeah, I mean, arguably, with the exception of Ronaldo, he's got to be up there, if not the Premier League signing of the season. Kurt Zander, oh, really. oh yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is, you can say Ronaldo, but then everyone, you know, it's very easy to sign one of the best players in the world, isn't mm-hmm. there? You know, like if uh, any manager can tell you sign Ronaldo and you're going to get a good player, yeah. it's, the, it's the likes of Zuma that are so important, you know, because they don't grab the headlines, but they're so important to a team. You know, he the backbone that he's formed, he's, as I said, he's 26 
you know, we could have him for another another eight years or so at the peak of his game, and that's just and that makes the thirty million or whatever it was we signed him for an actual real like a bargain. So you divide that thirty million by eight, you know, which is the which is the eight years you're hoping to get from him, eight, sixteen, twenty-four. You're looking at between three and four million. You know, for for a signing, and that just makes a huge difference. And yeah, I love the fella. I think he's an amazing signing. Um, and what's also really good is the other signings he's made, like Ariola and Kral, um, for example. They're the two that spring to mind. You know, they haven't they haven't barely played um, in the well, they haven't played in the Premier League. Ariola hasn't, and I, don't, I can't remember if Kral's had any minutes, but they haven't played many, even if they have. But they're prepared to sit on the bench and come on and play really well for this club when needed. Yeah, it and, comes uh, back to the attitudes and characters of the players as well. Exactly, doesn't it? exactly. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, talking about players that don't or do grab headlines, two players that I, I don't think get enough praise, to be honest, is Bowen and Fournells. I mean, do yes. you think there's a case for them being the most underrated players in the Premier League? Quite possibly, mate. I mean, the fact is, look at the goal for Fanel's goal. Look at what Bowen mm. did for that goal. Yeah, he had three, three people on him. And we're not talking like a League Two team. We're talking arguably the best team in the country. Um, three players on him. And, and he got it still held onto the ball, played a great ball through for Fanel's. And, you know, Fanel's put it away just um, and I think you're right no one talks about them you know no one for now it's the Spanish international you know Spanish internationals like in years gone by everyone will be saying how class they were you look at the Spanish international midfielders that have been in England and you go at like Fabregas and, and Silva and um you know, players of that that ilk, um, Alonso and stuff, and everyone was always like raving about how good they were. But uh, but you don't get that about Fennels. But what, why is he any different? You know, he he's he's doing brilliantly this season. As is Bowen. You know how Bowen didn't get in the England joke how Ben mm. Johnson didn't get in England under 20 21 under 23s under 21s is an absolute joke in itself that's another player that needs praise you know he came mm. in again as a young lad and he's played against Liverpool he's played against you know he said Salah who in my opinion despite the diving is the best player in the world at the moment you know mm. because Ronaldo isn't on all firing on all cylinders at Manchester United that Messi I, I couldn't tell you as much about Messi because I don't of the French league, but he doesn't seem to be doing as well there as he has done for Barcelona. But I could be wrong. But in my opinion, Salah's up there, one of the best in the world at the moment, if not the best. And you know, he had Ben Johnson having to mark him at times. And if it wasn't Ben Johnson, it was Mane, who's not far off being Salah's standard. And yet he came in, and I thought the first 10 minutes he was a little bit nervous, but then after that, he just came into the game again brilliantly. And you know, you look at him for now, Bowen. <clears throat> they're not getting the praise that they deserve. Zuma's not getting the praise that they deserve. But you know what? That might not be a bad thing. If we can keep it ticking along on a modest level, you know, then then hopefully it will surprise teams and then we'll be then we'll be able to take advantage of the egos. Won't go again to relate us back to Leicester. I think that's how they did so well in the league because that when they won the league that year, because they had the likes of Danny Simpson, Chris Morgan, Danny Drink. Uh, water, um, 
I can't remember, Mares at the time, um, you know, the players like that, that had gone under the radar and people weren't really, Robert Hoof, weren't really talking about how good they were until they'd practically won the league. So mm. let's 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 keep it that way in my eyes. It's not right on the players because you know Antonio is another. He should be in the England squad. I know he's chosen to be Jamaican now, but he should be in the England squad. Um, and you know Ben Rama. You know what? How amazing is he playing right now? Declan mm. Rice is arguably one of the best players in the world as well. People won't say that, but he is. You know who else would you rather have in defensive midfield than Declan Rice? Yeah, there's no, not no anyone one. out there. No, no one out there. You no. know, and and Cresswell, Cresswell's first touch. I'm sorry, his missus is a lucky lady because she, in the way, she must love what he can do. The way he brings the <laughs> ball down is so good, and honestly, he's so calm. If you was to see Messi or any of those players I've named with the, with the ball control that Aaron Cresswell's got you'd be like wow look at that you know Ronaldinho bringing it down like that he's so amazing but because he's an unfashionable left back for West Ham no one will ever talk about it but the amount of times the ball drops from a you know awkward angle or really high up or at speed to him and he brings it down perfectly and he's played almost every game this season yeah, I know. You know, another unsung hero there every single player in that squad is turning themselves into a potential legend. You know, you look at the 86 team and you, you go through there and usually you pick out like... You'll say, wow, what what legends they were. I mean, you could probably pick out all 11 at the moment at West Ham. Yeah, without question, without question. I mean, that was one hell of a statement yesterday. One hell of a statement. And without getting carried away, we've got to be genuine top four contenders now. Oh, mate, 100%. I mean, look, look I, I, it's a shame that it's, there's the, the international break. I would, And it's a shame that the Chelsea game comes um, at, towards the sort of in the, the 4th of December, isn't it? Something like that. And we've got Brighton and City and Wolves before that I want to play Chelsea next week they've just drawn at home to Burnley I want to play Chelsea they've got Lukaku who's our nemesis if we if we had Chelsea next week I honestly think we'd beat them home or away I think we'd beat them and yeah. that would be and that would be a massive boost for us again to have beaten our rivals um both in the league and geographically and historically, um, it, it would have been massive for us. You know, playing Wolves in a way is almost a bit of an annoying fixture. I'd rather be taking on Chelsea or Man City because I think with Wolves, they're a bit of an unknown at the moment. You know, they, they seem to be going for a bit of a, a dodgy spell and then they'll pick up a good result. And there's an argument that after the international window, could we be a little bit complacent? I hope not. And I hope that's what Moyes will, will have stopped. But I'd actually rather be taking on those. I don't fear anyone, mate. Honestly, West Ham, we, there's no team in that division. I look at and think, shit, we're going to have, have, have it tough. Well, we've beaten most of them already. Well, exactly. There you go. You know, Man City, we beat them. They had a stronger team out in that cup game than we did. Yeah. Yeah, and, I know. You know yeah. We still beat them. They lost at home to Palace the other day. You know, we're better than Palace. You've got to fancy any of these games. I, I don't want to get carried away because I'm fearful that I am, and that will often end in heartbreak. But I've never felt more confident about this team or any any team, really, that I've been associated with than this team. You know, I feel, you know, there was a period of time when I thought England were amazing. I never felt as confident as I do about them as I did West Ham. There's a couple of times when I've coached very good teams. You know, I've coached teams to district finals. I've coached teams to London um, youth finals and stuff. But I've never felt as comfortable with the team as I do with West Ham right now. Here's a question for you. Are we league title contenders? And if not, why? 
Well, this is the this is the thing, man. I almost said that. I almost said that in that little rant there. And then I'm thinking to myself, am I getting carried away here? My the biggest, the biggest thing that's gonna stop us being is injuries. That in my opinion, because yesterday I thought and and against Villa to an extent, although he did still do some major contributions in the video game. I think Antonio looked, if anyone, like he was getting a little bit burnt out, perhaps. Therefore, if he gets an injury, we could be in, in problems. You know, if, if say, Ben Rama gets an injury or Rice gets an injury, our squad is, you know, we've used, I think, I can't remember the exact statistic, but we've used far less players than any other team this year, which I think is a positive, but it does also mean that we could potentially be a few inches away from, from not doing it. That That's my main if you took, if you let's just say a bad case of injuries, but you suddenly lost Zuma, Rice, Ben Rama, and Antonio, then that's a that's a big hit for any team to take. So, with aside from injuries, keeping aside that we've got, I don't know whether we'll be able to last the full distance of the Premier League, but I wouldn't be surprised if we are. You know, we we could finish third, maybe something like that. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, if you look at that Leicester side that won the league, and again, we've drawn parallels between us and them that season they won it, 100% you can see it. It was quite freakish, actually, that season, how many injuries and suspensions they didn't get. Yeah. So I think that is key, because obviously, Mm. if you look at someone like Man City and they pick up injuries or suspensions, they've got a 50, 60 million pound player that can come into that player's place. Whereas West Ham don't have that luxury. So you definitely need a little bit of luck along the way, without a shadow of a doubt. And in terms of being up there, I mean, if you look at the, the Tottenham teams that finished second behind Liverpool, I, you know, I, I try and cast a memory back as to what their starting eleven would be, but I'm, I'm, I'm confident I can say that I'm pretty sure I wouldn't take that over this side. No, I think with those Tottenham teams, they just had standout players, didn't they? Like they had Harry Kane and, yeah. and Son and, um, you know... Uh, Bale when he was there before and 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 people like that, but they but they never had they never had the team that we've got. Larice, I guess you could argue as well, but they never had the the team altogether that we've got. And I would think Tottenham tie, side that qualified for the Champions League final when they lost to Liverpool versus the West Ham side. Now I think it would be a very close game. Well, I actually think West Ham would win it. Yeah. Yeah, I and agree. that gives you and that gives you the marker of what we should be aiming for this season. Mm. Yeah, totally, mate, totally. Well, with us currently third in the Prem, top of our Europa League group, and in the quarters of the League Cup, it's unbelievable. I, it it's really is. It, but it, it, it really the... is, mate. Honestly, <laughs> it is. It's quite incredible. Yeah, is it? Is it almost going to be disappointing if we don't get a trophy this season? Because we deserve some sort of recognition <laughs> for this hard work, don't we? Yeah, yeah, I, probably. I mean, it depends how far you go. I guess. I mean, if we was to, if we was to get, you know, finish third, let's say in the Premier League and get Champions League, I could, I could deal with that. I'm yeah. not winning a trophy. Um, if we was to get to the final of both the Europa League and the, say, the Carabao Cup, whilst it'd be a massive heartbreak to have not won either of them in a the final, you'd still come away and say, "Wow, what a season!" Progression, you know, isn't it? To, yeah, progression, and and. At the end of the day, like 
<clears throat> every key players next year are going to be even more at their peak. You know, Declan's going to be 23, 24, you know, for now. So it'll be that little bit more experienced. Ben Rahm will be that much more experienced. Ben Johnson, Suchek, you know, you've got the only slight um, Zuma, I guess, the only slight concerns you've got is Fabianski, but then I think Ariola age-wise, will be able to come in no problem. Then mm. you've got Cresswell, who'll be 32, but at the fitness levels he's at at the moment, I don't think that's an issue. Ogbonna will be 33, 34, but again, the way Dawson and Diop are stepping in for him, even if he wasn't at his peak, I think we've got adequate replacements. And then Antonio at 31, but I think, but other than that, you know, we could be even better next year. with the If we, let's just say we can get Lingard in, and we could get another striker, you know, and maybe another left back we're only going to get stronger and stronger um and uh yeah i think actually mate i think i would be disappointed if we didn't win so i wouldn't i wouldn't go away and be like angry about it because i would think wow i never expected anything like this but i would come away slightly disappointed because i just feel that the team is so positive at the moment ultimately in 40 years of being alive I've never seen West Ham win anything so mm-hmm. so this is in my opinion other than obviously but this team's better than that cup final team if this is this has got to be if we're going to ever win anything this has got to be as good a chance as we'll ever have yeah, spot on, mate. Absolutely spot on. Well, our patrons voted for Nows, man of the match, with 55%. Zuma was in second with 27%, and Bowen was in third with 5%. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think mm. Bowen could have had maybe a bit of a higher percentage because yeah. I thought he played really, really well. And obviously the contribution for the, the second goal was um, sensational. Um, so I think Bowen's percentage could have been higher, but it's hard to argue with that, really. I think, um, and that's the beauty of the patrons. I think our patrons are actual football people. You know, mm. they they understand mm. football and they understand, you know, <laughs> hopefully good football content, but they also understand that, that you know, their opinions and that. And, and I think... Every time I've looked at the Patreon Man of the Match um, selections, I've never been. I've never been like, what? How did that happen? I've always kind of agreed with it, and I think, yeah, that's that's right. And I'm so pleased for Funnels because a couple of people were doubting him and saying Lanzini should be in. He shouldn't. He shouldn't. Lanzini's actually had <clears throat> more a better season this season and better contributions this season than I thought he would have. And I thought he has done in the past. So I do acknowledge that Lanzini is performing better, but he's not performing to the standard of what Fernales is performing. And Fernales is only going to get better. The guy works so hard and, you know, you have that sort of classic, myth that foreigners don't work hard particularly foreigners of certain certain countries like like your spains your italy's and stuff whereas he's just shooting that myth to pieces you know his mm. work ethic is absolutely spot on he runs his heart out for that team and what i loved about his interview yesterday is they were it was with him and zuma and they were talking about that first goal whether it was his direct from the corner whether it was an own goal and <clears throat> obviously he's saying he, he thinks it's his goal because you all would but at the end of it he said to be honest I don't really care it's West Ham's goal and that's all that mm. matters and that's mm. what you want to hear mm, unbelievable attitude 
Unbelievable. I think to go back to that vote, I think Ben Johnson could have had more as well. You, you, you have to you have to consider that the guy is so young and so inexperienced, and he's playing against arguably the best players in the world and keeping them quiet. You know, yeah. he's keeping out of the side, rightly so. Um, a very, <laughs> a, a very, very good right back, arguably the best right back we've had in many, many a year. He's keeping him out of the side, and he should be keeping him out of the side because he is on form and he's playing to such a high standard that there's no need to change him. And I just think, you know, looking at that, looking at his performance as well, it's just it's just great. And, you know, Declan was brilliant as well. But, but again, Declan's fallen victim of the fact that he was uh, an eight or a nine out of 10 and his, stat, his performance has been uh, the same standard the whole way through. It's just that other players have played better than they usually do or played exceptionally well, if that makes sense. So it almost like glosses over Declan's consistency. But I can't disagree with the vote. I would that I I think I voted for Fulhouse from memory. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with it too. Uh, last Thursday, Soros qualified from our Europa League group with a draw against Genk, but it was a plain journey on the way to Belgium where a video emerged of some West Ham fans singing anti-Semitic. Uh, songs to an Orthodox Jew on his own, also travelling to Belgium. It caused quite a stir. What are your thoughts on this? I, I don't agree with it at all. I think it's disgusting. Um, I think he's singing. I think it's it's bad enough when you do collective racism chants at a group of people. Uh, that's bad enough in itself. But when you're singling out an individual that is right in front of you, yeah. um, it, it, like and has to spend the rest of that that plane journey knowing that whatever percentage of that aircraft was singing things about his religion and and his way of life and stuff, uh, it's just not right. You know, it, West Ham fans are better than that. And the, and the thing is, that's in this modern day, rightly so, is not is not acceptable. So you know by doing that, it's going to cause a, bring a bad name to West Ham. And So just don't do it. West Ham is such a positive thing at the moment. We don't need to be associated with crap like that. It's so old and dated and wrong. It shouldn't be happening. And, and at the end of the day, West Ham, what I love about West Ham is that, you know, we have been, uh, we're a multicultural club from a multicultural area. We were one of the first teams to have black players that did really well for us. You know, we have a whole mixture of of um, uh, ethnicities. Um, that have, you know, we've had Jewish players, Yossi Benayoun and um, Al Berkovich, for example, serve us so, so well. You know, they're, they're, they're two of my favourite players in recent years you know you're singing something about their religion in such a derogatory way and what is also you know people might sound be a snowflake here but you know Jewish people have been persecuted throughout a lot of their history and you know to, to then make someone sit on a plane with a load of um, I guess I don't know how to describe it, but people that a load of people that are, are seeing hate towards them—it's just not, it's just not right, and it's not fair at all. And I'm glad that I was no way near that plane because I'd have been been embarrassed. I, I make you right. I think you know to single him out like they did was very disappointing. And it's not often I get disappointed with West Ham fans. That was one of them. And I also remember at White Hart Lane a few years ago, if you remember this, and, and this was. 
absolutely disgusting. Do you remember when they started singing that like, Hitler's Coming For You and yeah, started so, doing and gas make, noises and all yeah, that? Exactly. I mean, look, ro- rivalries are rivalries. Don't get me wrong. And I hate Tottenham as, as much as the next man, but you have to draw the fucking line somewhere. Um, that was well out of order, that. Well out of order. Yeah. However, I've got to be brutally honest and transparent with a couple of other faults I've got around this subject, right? Because it's only fair that I, I am honest and I do it justice because we can both say the right things and uh, and we move on. But I, 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 there is a couple of things I'd like to say, right? There are, there are a number of West Ham accounts on social media, and I won't name them, that were saying they were disgusted by the song and that that fan should have a lifetime ban, et cetera, et cetera. You can't tell me that not at any point in their life have they never sung that song. Because ever since I was a kid going to Upton Park, and you look back now and it is wrong. So I want to be very clear on this. I don't want anyone to twist my words, right? What we're talking about, the subject of racism across the board is wrong. Absolutely wrong. But I've been to Upton Park when I was a kid. This whole stadium was singing it. And and everyone that's quick to throw that West Ham fan under a bus... I'm t- I'm, mate, the sorry, vast the key, majority would have would have sung that song, right? The key thing you're saying there, though, mate, which is what makes this thing different, is that you said when I was a kid, you're, you're 40 years of age, nearly, so you were a kid 30 years ago. Yes, no, I'm saying said. that's when it, I'm saying it, it it started when I was a kid. So culturally, it just became part of oh, it's when always, you were it's all, Yeah, but it's always been there. But what what happened then? Racism to black players was always originally there. You know, racism to to Asian you know players or Asian people has always been there. You know, but that doesn't mean that it's acceptable now. It shouldn't. I'm not saying it's acceptable. And and this is the point I'm trying to make because I think there's a fine line with what I'm saying, right? And people have to be on the right side of what I'm saying and not twist my words. Yes, it has to stop, right? But throughout the culture of playing Tottenham at West Ham, so many, so many fans have sung that song, right? Now, I'm not saying it's right in this day and age that we should sing it. Uh, it, It's not. And we should put a stop to it now. It's 2021. It's not acceptable, right? But the issue that I've got is stopping racism should be across the board. It shouldn't be selective and it shouldn't be mixed messages. And what I mean by that is you can't go, understandably, to Tottenham and call them yids anymore. Okay, so so that, that's a positive move yeah. and a positive statement to say, right, look, we're going to nip this in the bud now. We're all adults and, you know, you've got to respect cultures, religions, etc. I'm all for that. But no one's clamping down on Tottenham fans in the I same fashion to yeah. say you can't call yourselves a Yid Army anymore. You can't walk down as a mob on the high street singing Yids, 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 Yids. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree and, with and, you and, on that. And listen, so that, that's my only problem. I've got to be very clear, right? I think the points I'm making is, to summarise, of course racism is categorically wrong. I'm in full support of any type of racism being banned, right? I mean, that, that's an obvious statement. It should be. Regardless yeah. of when it started, how long West Ham fans have been singing it for, whether they thought it was jovial or what, I've been part of that and I have my hands up. I'm not going to be one of these West Ham accounts that absolutely smash a 55-year-old West Ham fan, calling for him to have a lifetime ban, when guaranteed at some point in their life they've sung it themselves, right? Mm-hmm. I'm taking ownership and I'm saying, I have sung that song. Since I was a kid on the terraces, 
So probably, if I'm brutally honest, in recent years, I've never ever in my life and never would I single out a Jewish person, certainly a non-football supporting Jewish person, and make them feel ridiculed like that. It's always been part of, in inverted commas, banter. And I realised that, really, looking back, that's wrong. And I'm in support of that stopping. But the mixed messages is what I've got a problem with. So you're telling West Ham fans, we can't go to White Hart Lane and we can't use the Y word but we've got to listen to them call themselves the Y word and, and be okay with that. Yeah, right? and, and what actually is, makes this um, furthers your point is that if those Tottenham fans <coughs> were in certain fact of Jewish, you know, belief... Yeah, and, then, and most of them ain't that are saying that word, by the way. So they then become more racist than this any is of what, This is what I'm saying. That was the point I was going to make. If they were a Jewish people, say it almost as like a self-defence mechanism, you know, when sometimes black people refer to themselves as the N-word. Yeah, but that's you know, wrong. But, yeah, but see, that's where well, society's on it. Sorry, X, I, I must make this point. I don't want to interrupt you, but before I forget, that's something that's wrong with society now because... I think anti-racism campaigns have come such a long way, credit to them, such a long way to highlight just how much racism affects people and, and how it's a time to change. And, you know, there are some older generations that will never change, right? So you're looking at time and new generations coming through, teach them from a very young age that racism is wrong, teach them about the histories of different cultures and religious backgrounds, etc. But at the same time, you're allowing hip hop artists to sell CDs or downloads to the same children using words that they're told is wrong to use. Again, mixed messages. It should be all or nothing with anti-racism. There's no exception for it. And the same thing applies with this debate with whether you can call Tottenham fans yids or not. I do agree with you. You're right, because there's funny, the same day that um, that video emerged, there was also a video of a... Tottenham fan, a child who'd ran onto the pitch to get Harry Kane's um, shirt and that his dad was moaning because Tottenham obviously kicked him out and then made him speak to the police after the game. And rightly so, he should do. Yes, he's a kid, but it's still a rule and a law, you know, because if you then change the rule for the kids and say, yeah, all kids can run on the pitch and ask for shirts, the absolute carnage. So the Mm. fact that Tottenham did question the child, I actually agree with, but in that video that I saw as the child's running onto the pitch, all the Tottenham fans are chanting the Y word at the child. Yeah. And, then, and, and, and then, and there was no, and there was no mention of that. I know. And I agree with you. I totally agree with you because it, I know you don't like the NFL, but there's a perfect example of what actually happened in the NFL. So there was a team called the Washington Redskins, right? Which refers, but their badge was a red Indian, right? And they've been in the NFL for since pretty much since the foundation. They're one of the traditional teams. They are now no longer called the Washington Redskins because of the the racism connotation from being describing someone as red-skinned. So they're now called the Washington team. They haven't actually thought of a a, a good nickname for them yet, but they are actually the Washington team because of the fact that it had that sort of racist undertone to it. So I agree with what you're saying. Tottenham have to do a lot more to stop it their end as they do any other club now. That doesn't excuse the West Ham fan because he's, like we said, was singling out a, a single individual on a plane, which is a, isn't right at all. You know, I, I, I would like to question such as how racism has moved on for certain 
uh, groups, hasn't it? Hasn't for others. If a, a black person was to have been walking down that plane at that point, would would um, those fans have chanted a, a song about, I don't know, a racist song about black people? I would like to think not. Because whilst yeah, I don't think course. racism has moved on as far as it should have, as far as that goes, I think it has moved on. Um, but it, for some reason, when it comes to Judaism and anti-Semitism, um, you, it, it hasn't moved on. And I think there is almost like a lack of education. And you're right, if someone's mm. been singing a song for 50 years of their life, not seeing it as banter, they probably don't realise what it means. And, and I think it's very easy for someone to sit there and say, it's banter, don't mean harm by it, if you're mm. not on the receiving end of it. You know, yeah, yeah. it's you know, it's like... I don't know if you've read much about this cricket thing. I think it's the Yorkshire cricket. Mm, I've heard about it. Sounds awful. That does. Yeah, I mean they're basically trying to excuse the facts from what I can gather. I may have my facts wrong here. They're basically trying to excuse the facts that they called a Pakistani player Paki, and that they used to say things like Paki go and get the ball and stuff. I think is mm. what I've understood. And they and they're trying to defend that the word Paki was used almost like as an affectionate term, but it, you can't do that when you know that the word Paki has for 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 years and years and years meant a, a negative towards not just Pakistani people but towards all um people of a of of brown or Asian skin um you know it, because it's associated with things like Paki bashing which was like a common thing in the you know 60s 70s 80s or whatever you know I, I I'd be I went to a very multicultural school particularly secondary school but I've I I know people that used to inverted commas go Paki bashing and stuff so the word Paki is a horrible word because it means it's associated with what what people used to use that word for and it's the same with jewish things you know the history of what those the 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 abuse that that means and what those groups of people went through it is just it isn't right and it's wrong and he shouldn't single individuals out like that and it isn't banter i do believe there's a lack of education there's an ignorance to it from certain people and that you probably need to rather than arresting which of course is the ultimate solution you probably need to educate before you start arresting because there will be people that don't really understand understand i know that's pleading ignorance but don't really understand what the significance of what they're saying and doing is and do see it as banter but they're not the ones that are on the receiving end of it and they're not the ones whose families or their their ancestors or whatever have been through horrific things um so i think you can't just judge it as banter if it's not you that's affected but mm-hmm. i do i do agree entirely with what you're saying that there does need to be consistency and tottenham seeing as they're the ones that have the anti-Semitism given uh, directed at them because of their historical links to the Jewish community. They they are the ones that need to do the very best to stop it. They should be the ones that are educating. Uh, mm. They should be the ones that are saying why it's wrong alongside all the other Premier League teams, not, like you said, being the ones that are seeing why army and all of that stuff. And, and, I, and I agree with you. And there, there needs to be a whole scale approach to it. Arresting that bloke on the plane is not going to stop that song being sung. No, of course it ain't. no, and I'm not being funny. Look, you know, 
to, to take anti-racism to the next level, I would totally understand if they wanted to make an example of that person, right? Well, I don't understand how they did because on that flight, how many people were seeing that? Well, yeah, but see, that was going to be my other point. There are people listening to this show, including yourself, that have genuinely, genuinely never sung that song because they've always been disgusted by it since the 70s, 80s, 90s, or, or even current day, have genuinely never sung it, right? Then there are people that will tell you they've never said it, but actually have, just don't want you to know it. And then there are people like me who will hold my hands up and say, I have sung it. I have sung it on numerous occasions. I'm just being honest, but I can now take ownership of that and say that in 2021, I've seen the error of my ways. I do think times should change and I shouldn't have uh, use that words because ultimately it is racism. I never saw it from my time on the terraces as a kid, culturally, it's something that everyone used to do. Doesn't make it right. Times have changed and we have to move on. I mean, look, for me, there's three types of songs at football. There's one that relates to pride, whether it's your club anthem, for us it's bubbles, ones that relate to banter, which both sets of fans could probably have a laugh and a joke with. And then there are ones that are designed to be antagonistic and get under the skin of opposition fans, right? This was always our way of getting under the skin of Tottenham fans. And, and probably, probably X, partly supported by the fact that they called themselves the Y word, right? Yeah. Which mm. which aided our, I think, aided our conscience in that respect, I think. Mm -hmm. So to move on from any form of racism, it needs to be done in unison. And this is my point. We need to stop singing these songs about them. They need to change their identity in that respect and not use a derogatory term, which is, is what the Y word is. They've mm -hmm. got to stop that now. And do you know what? If you want to delve even deeper into it, they call us pikeys. So if you're talking about showing respect to different cultures, then that's got to go. You know, no noise from the pikey boys, for example. Now, listen, and I must be very clear on this. I'm not comparing the suffering, suppression and trauma of the Jewish community and their history with that of the traveling community. But it is still disrespectful. So where do you draw the line? Mm -hmm. Are we going to be going to White Hart Lane? We can't say the Y word, but for 60 minutes we're hearing them say it. And on top of that, they're calling us pikeys. It ain't going to work. It yeah. needs to be done in unison, which I fully support. But there, there were aspects of this debate that I did want to bring to the table openly and honestly. And I hope it's come across the right way and, and my words ain't going to be twisted. Mm, yeah, I think to be fair, mate, you know, considering I see myself as quite, I don't know what the word is, liberal, I get not liberal, I don't know what the word is, but I see myself as um, very um, hot on this sort of thing, as in I don't agree with any form of discrimination, I don't see that you've said anything wrong there, in my opinion, I mean, and I don't, and someone may tell us otherwise, but in my opinion, I don't think you said anything wrong, because I agree with you, I think it does have to start, and but you do have to be clear where you're drawing the line as well, because you're right, pikey is essentially offensive term for like you said the traveler community mm. i mean do you even go as far as you know when you're singing to liverpool fans you never get a job is that discriminatory to scouts you know you gotta you gotta think at some point like where where do where does the line whether i do think singing about being an effing J um at yeah. the end of that yeah. Song, oh yeah i mean that's not a, that's is, not is a very obvious starting point mm. um and and i think that sort of stuff because you, you you wouldn't i don't think you would do that about 
well, maybe you would. I was going to say you wouldn't have other religions, but maybe you would. I mean, there's there's been other songs about other religions, I guess. But um, like I, I think to myself, like like you said, society has moved on. We are 2021 now. The world is a lot more multicultural than it was before. You know, you can, you know, when those football charts started, England wasn't the England it is now. You know, like it is, it is much more multicultural now than it's ever been, and it will continue to to be that way as those children that have children and those children have children and so on. It is always going to be a multicultural place. Um, the 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 fact is, people, in my opinion, are all born as humans. You know, it doesn't matter what your skin color is, what your religion is, what country you're born from. You're all born with the same kind of basics as in you've all got a heart you've all got a brain you've all got same emotions really and so so you should treat everyone as they treat you is my my philosophy majority of my friends have been non-white uh, non-white british but then there's been times where the majority of my friends are white british and that's just because of the different work environments or the different places in the country i've lived in or whatever but to me i don't see it as that i just see them as people and i think that's what the world should be like and the world would be a much better place to be less wars less hate less everything if i'm now i'm beginning to sound a bit like john lennon now and stuff but like it, it it would be a lot a lot better place and i just think there's there would never ever be in my mind the thought of you know going up to that person i mean put it the other way around for example let's just say the main architects of that song on the plane i mean i don't know how they've identified the people that have been arrested because from what i could see it was very hard to see exactly who started it and who was singing it and who sung more than the others and you know in theory you have to arrest the whole plane but then there'd be innocent people on it that didn't say it so i don't know how they've singled the people out they have but let's just say the one person the first person that they arrested went on holiday to israel for example and there were on that flight was a whole flight of orthodox jewish people going somewhere and as he walked on the plane they sang something about i don't know what the equivalent would be but something about him he wouldn't feel comfortable in that scenario and that's why he's just got to apply that thinking to to this situation i mean look I'll, i'll be honest I don't think he should be given a lifetime ban. I'm, I'm being honest because I think if you're going to ban him, you, you're going to have to ban everyone that's ever yeah. said it. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not oh, being funny. Sorry. And I don't care what anyone says. I'm sorry because I've witnessed it myself and I've even said it myself wrongly. The stadium would be half fucking empty if you've done yeah. that. But So I don't think you should get a lot. But do you know what? If you turn it into a positive, make a public example if you want to make a statement, give him a fine, maybe. Um, give him, I don't know, a temporary ban if you really want to. But I think really what would make a good statement is if at his own expense, he went to somewhere like Auschwitz, for example. Yeah. yeah. And he spent time educating himself as yeah, to what... I agree, I agree. ...the Jewish people have been through and what they've been subjected to. I think that's... I, think like that. I agree. I think education is so the key here, personally. I think you you, you can always... You can, you, you can be reactive and you can give someone a consequence for their behaviour. But if you just go in and give them a consequence, 
consequence for their behavior without explaining why that behavior is wrong. That behavior will just be repeated, 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 and repeated by other people. If you go in, and I'm sounding a bit like a socialist at the moment now, but if, if you go in earlier and you and you deal with the problem and the and the cause of the issue and explain why it's wrong, long term, that is going to have more of an impact than just reacting each time it happens. If you stop it mm. happening in the first place, then you don't have to react and give people fines. And you know, and I'm sure it's like what they've tried to do. It's not quite the same, obviously. I'm not saying that, but it's what they've tried to do a little bit with speeding now, haven't they? Like you can mm. you can go to a speed awareness course rather yeah, than that's right. rather than just being like yeah. fine immediately it's a little bit obviously on a sort of less offensive scale it's a little bit like that you know educate these people why that is not the right thing to say or do to someone and if you if they can't if they can't see it once they've been educated and at least had that input then perhaps you and then you arrest and stuff but I think Tottenham as well like you said could do a lot more about it you know rather mm. than singing the Y Army all the time they could they could sing they could they could put promotional stuff out on their website about you know like to try and persuade opinions but I guess we're getting quite deep and political now so yeah. uh, I thought it was worth talking about yeah it's an, it's an interesting topic and people on Twitter I got asked my opinion on it numerous times and I was getting asked my opinion from both sides. I could tell by A, what they had tweeted about it themselves and B, what like the sort of language they used when asking me the question. And I don't think it's easy to answer these sorts of things on Twitter because you've got limited characters and whatever you say can be twisted in, in the wrong way. Or mm-hmm. I will ultimately conclude with, and I know you're the same, but it's ultimately conclude that you just treat everyone as you want to be treated yourself you treat people with respect and if you treat people with respect skin colour religion place of birth becomes an interesting topic of conversation not something that you judge someone on Mm, of course 100% and like I say can't stress enough I hope my argument because you know it is um a bit of a risk on my part to say some of the things I've said. If Mate, I respect it. Well, I respect it. Come, yeah, if, 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 it's coming, if it's come across in the wrong way, and that's what slightly worries me, because no. I'm comfortable with what I'm saying, and I've always been comfortable speaking from the heart and being honest, because it would have been easy to have said the right things and moved on. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to, to, yeah. to, to no, make myself very that. clear on where I stand on racism. I own up myself and put my hands up and say, I did sing that song. I have sung that song. Um, in relation to West Ham, and uh, times have got to change, but it's got to change in unison. You can't just persecute West Ham fans um, and have double standards when we go to Tottenham, for example, and that's the point I'm making. Yeah, definitely, and I totally respect that, man. I respect your honesty, and and people could be better off for being as honest as you have been. Put your hands up and admit perhaps you said things that you now know you probably shouldn't have, um, and and admit to it. Because the first the first point of dealing with anything that's wrong is acceptance that you have been wrong. You know, you can't you can't improve someone's um uh you know philosophies if they won't even see that there's anything to be improved upon you know there'll be people that go no f off mate it's only banner in it and that's your problem Mm, because they're never they're never gonna they're never gonna listen whereas you admitting it and you know of course there'll be people and it'll work both ways you know there'll be 
<clears throat> I'm sure there's Jewish people, or I'm sure there's Asian people, or or black people, uh, when they've been in there with with groups of people that they've probably sung songs about other ethnicities that they shouldn't have. You know, I look back and I remember singing songs. One thing I'll confess to, which isn't quite, it is similar. I remember singing songs, not really understanding it about. <laughs> this is the diplomatic version, but of like Asian people owning corner shops and stuff when I was about seven or eight at school because everyone, everyone sung that. You know, that's what the kids did. And you, I don't think, and I know I didn't, looking back, I didn't know that that was particularly wrong. Now, when I look back, that's horrific. And I would never do that now. And there was Asian children in my class. And I'd, I hope that they were as ignorant as I to it all and didn't, didn't see that that was wrong. But you do, you do get influenced by the crowd and you don't, you don't think about what you saying at times but that's as a child you know and that's 30 mm. 40 years ago mm. I'd like to think people now with the way the world is and the greater understanding of different cultures um and the greater understanding of what's right and what's wrong and so on that people will be um, accepting that these chants are left behind now but you're right it's got a long way to go before you can start punishing two or three West Ham fans for it before it yeah. improves Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Right, okay. Let's see what X has to say this week. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a stuntman to do their home renovations. Just finished the new sunroom, Mrs. C. The best part is I used candy glass for all the windows, so you can do this and this. Doesn't hurt a bit either. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. And if you don't want to take the long way to the kitchen, the walls are breakaway too. See? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.